0: Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Alright, if you want to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to look at that one. Usually I'm not into titles. Because um, titles, nobody really remembers the titles. But I was actually thinking the title today might help me stay focused on uh, what we would like to accomplish today. So I'm going to give you a title if you want to write it down or not. A wonderful space that you have there in the bulletin. But it's this. Uh, family. Moving from what makes you cringe to what makes you long for and find. Now when I say the word family... What comes to mind? For me personally, when I think of family, I have a lot of good memories. I was raised uh, by good parents, very caring parents, very generous parents. I'm the uh, last of seven kids, and uh, I'd have to say that the oldest five did not pick on me. They were very kind. Uh, My sixth brother, who's a very nice guy, uh, had some tendencies to pick on me. But it was still a very good upbringing. So when you mention family... I have a lot of good memories, which I would imagine some of you, like me, have very good memories of your family. However, others that are seated here today cringe. When you hear the word family, you might think of an abusive mother or father. You might think of broken relationships with siblings. To you, the only thing that you can really remember are the difficult things that you went through growing up and maybe even going through now with parents or siblings and the struggles that you have. So when you hear the word family, there's a cringing because when we say that God wants his church family to be family, these bad memories come up. Now, when I say church family, how many of you have a good response? What do you think of when you hear church family? For me personally, again, when I think of church family... I've had good experiences. Now, mind you, the first church that I went to, they uh, sort of asked me to, in a kind manner, leave and then asked me back when they realized the mistake they made, which was wonderful. The second church that I was at sort of uh, didn't ask me to leave, but kind of said, I know that you have a family of five, but we're going to pay you if you're single, and so that was their gentle way of saying, I think you might find better pastors somewhere else. But the next two, the Chinese church and this church, Harvest, whenever I think of church family, the experience is very positive. In fact, to me personally, I I so enjoy being here at Harvest that I feel that church is actually getting better and uh, feeling like church family is going to be more of a church family. Now, that's me, but that might not be your experience. You might have grown up in churches where, like bananas, there were splits every Sunday. (laughs) Okay, well, at least one person... And you think church family, and even if you were here at Harvest, you're thinking church, I don't really feel church family here. I don't feel connected. I don't feel like people really get who I am or people are really in my corner or people are are really with me. And so when you hear church family, there's a cringing. Because some of you may be at that place where you're thinking church family, this is not for me. I think it's time for me to move on. I need to find another church family. So I want to look at this passage today that Paul is actually addressing Timothy. He's speaking to him, and he's speaking to him about some of the stuff that's going on in the church that he is pastor at. And there's a lot of things that are happening in the Ephesian church. As you've already seen, there are false teachers teaching false doctrine. As we see in this chapter, Or we're going to see there's some conflict that's going on. We're going to see that there's issues in dealing with widows and how to handle widows. And then we're going to see how we stewardship money and how there's issues even in the church. So this isn't a church that's a perfect church. But Paul, in a life-on-life situation, is writing this letter to Timothy, and he's going to talk about family, the church family. What should the church family believe, and how should the church family behave? And so that's the focus of this whole letter. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the context of what Paul is saying as he directs it to the church family. And then I'm going to take it and look at the church family and our families as a whole. And hopefully get to a place where when you hear the word family, it's not something that makes you cringe. But it makes you want to pursue it, to long for it, to find it, and to help others find it as well. So that's what our context is. Paul is basically writing to Timothy and he's saying, listen... In the midst of your church, I understand that you have some problems. But here is how the church family is supposed to behave. So let's look at the first two verses. (coughs) Paul writes this He says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Here's the idea. In terms of the church family, what they need to believe and how they need to behave is to respect each other. Each one of us matters. So Paul's talking about respect. So when he says, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as if he were your father, what he's saying is, Timothy, in the midst of the church that you're in, you're having some issues with some of the older guys in the church. Well, don't run up to them and harshly rebuke them because you're the pastor. Now, the idea here of this Harsh rebuking is the idea of violence. I mean, literal violence as though you want to hit this person in the head. That's the idea. And how many of you have ever felt that urge? No, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. We'll still be with you, man, because you're family. That's the idea that Paul's trying to communicate. He's saying, listen, if you're having problems with the older men in your church, respect them. Don't run up to them wanting to hit them in the head. Don't run up to them wanting to be violent. I have a confession to make about my father and me and our relationship. I never hit him. And I never wanted to. I never had that desire. Which really isn't much of a confession, but a confession is you're saying something. I'm confessing because, to me, I respected my father. He gave a lot to help me get to be where I'm at. My father and my mother. But I never ever sat there and got into a conflict and thought, Wow, I really want to hit my dad right now. That's the sort of respect that I've had. Now, that does not mean that some of us here haven't felt that way. And it doesn't mean that sometimes a father might not have, and I'll put this in quotes, deserve that for their behavior. In fact, I heard a story the other day where a father and son got into an actual armed conflict. And if you've been listening to the news, I think it was about a week ago where in the city of Chicago, a young man ran over his father and other family members and killed his father. What Paul is saying is, listen... A lot of us think when we get angry and in the midst of a conflict, we have to confront it with aggression and violence. And what Paul is telling Timothy is quite simply, that is not how it works in the church family. If there is conflict in the church family, you don't treat the older person with disrespect, but you treat them with respect and you come alongside of them like the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and you seek to encourage to exhort, to strengthen, to appeal to them to change. It is the language of respect. In the same way, when you look here and it says, treat younger men as brothers, there's a sense of humility based in respect. So when you're dealing with the younger people in your church, treat them with respect. Now, I've heard some youth pastors, not the leaders at our church, of course, but I've heard of some youth pastors, when they get into youth ministry, they remember what their Korean church experience was like. You know what I'm talking about? You know the youth pastors that do all these kind of sort of mean things to their kids, and, and, and when, they, when they experienced all that stuff when they were in youth group, they're like, man, when I get to be a leader, I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to be mean to kids. Well, what Paul is telling Timothy is, no, even if they are younger, respect them, treat them with respect. Why? Because they matter. They're important youth ministry is not your opportunity to be the boss It is your opportunity To minister respectfully to a younger generation of followers of christ in the same way he says listen To your older women treat them as mothers treat them with a gentleness now I know some of you might be thinking. Yeah, you don't know my mom But the general idea is when you're thinking about your mother you think of treating her with gentleness Why because she treated you with gentleness And now your response is when something is wrong or just in the midst of family is that gentleness is reciprocated. And in the same way, younger sisters, I don't have a younger sister, never had. But the intent that Paul is telling Timothy is you treat your younger sister, these younger women, as your younger sister. Treat them with purity. Treat them with respect. So really what Paul is telling Timothy is, listen, in the midst of the family of God, the church of God, God wants everyone to be treated with respect. So even though Paul is telling Timothy, who is the pastor of the church, and you could theoretically say this is how all the pastors of the church should treat each and every one of you, we take it a step further because I think Scripture is pretty clear that in the midst of family, we all should be treating each other with respect. A respect because the other person, even if we are in conflict or disagree with them, there should be respect. What he's saying is be different from everybody else. For instance, in our modern world today, let's talk politics. An area of great agreement, correct? A place where if you go online and you read articles about politics, and if you're like me, you like to read the comments, right? How many of you like to actually, you don't like to read the article, because you know the article says what it's going to say, because the that, right? But you like to read the comments, right? You know, Democrats and Republicans, you libtards this, and you Republicans that, and it's like, and there's no, no whatsoever... It's like violence. It's like verbal punches at each other because we want to make our point. But what Paul would say, if you bring this into the church, you miss the point of what the church family is supposed to be like. You can agree or disagree, but either way, you must respect. You must respect the other person. You must treat them as though God matters. You must treat them as though they are family. They are in the family of God and... I would say that God goes so far as to say the way that you love those that you can see is the way that you actually love me. Now, if I were a Republican and conservative and Brian was liberal and Democrat, which is not to say either one of us are, and I disrespect him, what I'm saying is, God, the way I feel about Brian is the way I feel about you. That's pretty heavy stuff. It's very important because in the family of God, Jesus said what? They will be marked by the fact that they love one another. And when you love someone, you respect them. You treat them with respect. I mean, it's not... Well, no, I was almost going to say, it's not like when you go on your honeymoon that you go to argue or, or push your spouse off a cliff, but that happened once, and... Uh, Anyway, so we'll just pass on that one. It's, It's a weird thing, but the concept is respect. Paul is saying very clearly, the church, the family of God, must believe that everyone in this church matters. And because they matter, and they matter to God, we need to treat them with respect. Simple enough. Let's move on. Verse 3. Because now he's going to talk about widows. Give proper recognition to those who are widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions too, so that no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. There's a second thing that I think we need to see in this passage, is that we need to meet the needs of those who are in need. Now this passage focuses on widows. And I racked my brains, and I don't know, is anyone a widow here? Right? So you kind of think, man, this this isn't this isn't really gonna fit. I'm gonna help us see how this fits, because there's needs. But we're gonna go through this passage, we're gonna walk through it, and this is what he says. Paul says to Timothy, in life on life, give proper recognition or honor or respect to those who are widows who are in need. And what he's saying in the picture here is someone who is bereft, someone who has been robbed, someone who has has anyone ever been robbed? The sort of the coldness and the the, the way you just feel if you've lost your identity or someone's robbed your house or stolen your bike or stolen your car. These women have been robbed. They've suffered loss. They are alone. Now, it could be from death. It could be from divorce. It could be from desertion. But whatever it is, they are alone and they are in need. And Paul tells Timothy, what you need to do is honor these women. You need to respect them. This woman who is in need, who is really in need, is someone who has no one to turn to. Now I don't know about today, in the sense of I don't know what your insurance policies are like. If I were to die, my, my family would get half a million dollars, which really isn't a lot because my wife is still pretty young. Hey, what are you, honey? Thirty-one? I know, right? Have <laughs> off the couch. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. She is thirty-one. Um, wow, where was I going with that? Oh, half a million dollars. Okay, yes. So in those days, when a husband died, the widow basically had nothing. I mean, if he didn't have anything for her, her to hold on to, she has nothing. She doesn't have this education. She doesn't have the opportunity to get a job. She's in dire straits. She's really in need. <clears throat> what Paul's telling Timothy is, If you have widows like this in your midst, you have to meet their needs. It's not a possibility, or it's not a thought, or it's not a suggestion. It's really in the family of God, if there's a widow who has a need, y'all need to meet it. It's just that simple. So if you're really in need, you have to meet it. Because this woman is not only alone and in need, but she's also seeking God. Look at verse 5. It says, the widow who is really in need and left alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. It's a picture of a woman with one hand <coughs> in worship, worshiping God, and the other hand asking for God's help. And what Paul's telling Timothy is, this woman who is really in need is someone who has no one to turn to except God. And she continues to seek God. And rather than just hoping that God will meet the needs by saying, go be warm and be filled like a tuck spot in James, it says you have to meet those needs. Meet those needs. That's it. It's a must. However, he also mentions there's a woman who's not in need. So not everyone who's a widow is necessarily going to get their needs met. What it says, verse (coughs) 4, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. What he's saying is, listen, according to the Greek law, children were legally bound to take care of their parents. So in other words, if we were Greek back in the day, and my wife, or if I passed away, my children are legally bound to take care of my wife. Korean tradition, how many firstborn sons here? Right? Feel a little pressure? You are the uh, retirement fund. Right? In some ways. And I, I'm not trying to you know, stir up you know, fears that you might already have. I'm just trying to be honest with you. That's kind of the idea of what's happening here. And, and what Paul's saying is, listen. Children and grandchildren, to show that your faith is real, go beyond the Greeks and take care of your parents and grandparents. It's your way of repaying them. One of the jokes, the standing jokes that I have with my son Tim, who's at Northern, I tell him, listen, I changed your diaper at least 300 times. And if I ever get to that place, my expectation is you'll do the same. (laughs) He owes me 300, Dan owes me 400. Christina, about 200, so I feel I'm good for a couple years, right? (laughs) That's the idea. Your parents have taken care of you. Now you, in turn, must take care of them. So if there's a widow in your midst, and she has family, and they're a part of the church family, don't go, well, that's up to the church. Because what does he say? If you do that, verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Because Paul's saying the Greeks who don't follow God take care of their parents and their grandparents and y'all in the church look at your family and go, ain't my job. That's somebody else's job. Paul says if you do that, you have denied that you truly believe what God has said about respecting people and that they matter and that he's giving your parents and you're behaving like that and that's horrible. That's worse than someone who doesn't believe. So Paul here is telling us, as well as telling Timothy, is listen, in the church family, the way you treat each other is with respect. And if there's someone who has a need, then you go out of your way to meet that need and make sure that need is met, and you keep needing or meeting that needs until you've gotten to the end of the line. So to me, that sort of encompasses what exactly Paul is telling Timothy about the church family. Make sense? Now, don't freak out too much, but this is the conclusion. And we're going to try and apply this, all right? Because when I think of Harvest, I think of Harvest as a church family. And I will be honest with you, when I hear people sit down with me and they say that they are brokenhearted and sad because they cannot find relationship, family, here at Harvest, it hurts to hear that. It's it's So... um, as a parent, if someone comes up to you and says, your son or your daughter, I don't really like them. You know, this is, I mean, it's, it's not you, it's your kids, you know? I just, I don't like them. How, how are you going to feel? I mean, even if you're not a parent, think about what it would be like to someone that you really love a lot. Like, you know, if you went to another church as a visitor, and uh, one Sunday you, you said, uh, Hey, uh, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to Harvest. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pastor Frank, he's a real jerk. I would hope that all of you would be hurt, right? (laughs) Heartbroken. I love that guy. He is so special. He cares so much. And you said something bad about him. That breaks my heart. You know what I'm feeling now, right? And and that's exactly here. What, what, What I want us to see is that when you hear that, that's how I feel when I hear that there are people in our church that feel disconnected from everybody else, and they don't feel like they have family here. And so when we get up here and we announce Harvest Community Church is a family church, I feel that. And if someone is out there and they feel something totally different, that's heartbreaking. And that's the place where all of us should be. We should be brokenhearted to think that there is someone whom we call in our family... Doesn't really feel connected to our family, so how do we get that to that place where we can actually move from cringing and get to a place where we're craving? I mean, I really, really want to have family. I mean, I want to have a family here. I want this to be a place where we are family, where through thick and thin we thick we stick together through things constantly because that's what family does. And I I long for that. And I want you to long for that. So how do we do that? There's two things that we do. I think if we go back to the text, what does Paul tell Timothy? He says what? In the first two verses, he says, respect. Do not rebuke harshly. Exhort. Treat as brothers. Treat as mothers. Treat as sisters. Respect each other. And that's kind of vague. So how do you do that? I'm going to make one suggestion because I don't want to. I don't want to load you down, but the first thing I just want to suggest is this. If we really want to respect, let's learn how to listen to people. Not just listen to what they're saying, but also listen to their hearts. Let's really listen. And and I think this works not only in the church family, but in our origin of birth or marital family. And let me show you how, how this works. How many of you have ever been in an argument with a family member and you've yelled? Okay, some of you aren't raising your hands. That's very good. I'm very impressed. Let me ask you a question. Does yelling work? No, it doesn't, right? I mean, all it does is escalate things. And why are we yelling? Is it because the other person is deaf? Can, can, I, can I look at David here and go, Why aren't you listening right now to my sermon? He's been tracking the whole time I haven't to yell once. Now he's never going to sit in front again because I've scarred him. But he's been listening the whole time Yelling really does not help in the midst of an argument What helps is to stop and listen and actually try to understand now If you want to yell, that's a great idea. I love it I can't believe you said that i'm going to change my life because of you that kind of yelling works But it doesn't happen, right? Listen Listen to the other person. Listen to what they are saying. Because you want to treat them with respect. You want to treat them with respect. As Timothy is supposed to treat the older men with respect and his brothers in Christ with respect, and the older women with respect, and his younger sisters in Christ with respect. It seems to me in the church family, what we need to believe is that everyone in this church family matters, and because they matter, we need to respect them. And to respect them, one of the best ways to do that is to actually listen to what they're saying. And that might require us to actually pursue family with people pursue it in a way that you can sit down and say you know what i'm here and i want to listen and i don't mean the kind of listening that we normally do in an argument if you're like me when you're in the midst of an argument what kind of listening do you do i am waiting for the person that i'm arguing with to say the point that i can destroy when i get my turn to speak i'm listening I'm clearly listening to what they're saying, but I want them to know that you are wrong in this point, And let's just draw the line right here. You're wrong. That's not the kind of listening I'm suggesting. The kind of listening I'm suggesting is when we respect someone else, even if we don't disagree, we don't agree with them. We can actually sit down and say, I will hear what you have to say. I will try to understand And I will respect you as a person that this is what you believe and this is how you're behaving. But I want to let you know in the family of God that this is what I believe that you matter. So I will listen and I'm going to behave in this manner. I'm going to respect you in that. It's not easy, right? Because some of you are thinking, okay, sounds easy. Or you make it sound easy, but you don't know the people I live with. They're not rational. They don't think. Paul isn't saying, listen, Timothy. Rebuke only the older men that will actually be worth listening to. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, he doesn't say, listen only to the younger men that will listen. Uh, listen only to the older women that will listen. Listen only to the younger women. No, he's saying, listen to them all. Agree or Disagree. Don't get violent. You don't have to scream. You don't have to yell. You don't have to hit. You don't have to throw a tantrum. You just have to respect them. And the respect that we can give people is by listening to what they are saying as well as to what their heart is saying. Because sometimes hurt people hurt people. And because they are hurting, they say things that are hurting or expressing their hurt because they might not know how to deal with that and instead of jumping on the back wagon and swinging back the response is respect what did jesus do when he was confronted with the lies about him he says what he was silent as he was led to the slaughter man is that hard have you ever been in an argument with your spouse or one of your kids Isn't it hard to be silent? But yet, the call for us is to ultimately be like Jesus. To diffuse by listening and respecting the tension. It will not always be happy. There will be times when you will explode. You will get angry in response. But the key of what he's saying, in the church there should be respect. Respect. And then bring it to the family of birth or family of origin or the family of marriage and realize even in those relationships there should be respect because what it is doing is reflecting on the church of God, the body of Christ, the family of Christ, and ultimately Christ himself if all we're doing is arguing with one another. I've been saying this a lot lately, but it's only February and raises don't come until like December, so I... One of the things that that I really appreciate about Dave and Jared is their ability to actually just do that, to listen and understand. I wish I could say we're always together and we're happy and we agree on everything because sometimes we don't agree. But it's never come to that place where we're fighting physically. It's always been that listening because we respect each other. And when I see that in the midst of the three of us, it's what I would hope for the whole church family. That we can actually respect each other enough, even when we go, hey, I don't, I don't see that, I don't, I don't agree with that, but you know what, I'm going to respect you. I mean, I can imagine, even as we're doing a different form of worship and trying to let the service flow, some people are like, man, you guys are crazy, you guys just like, come up with these things out of nowhere and just do this. We really thought about this. Works or not works, we don't know, but just trust that we're really trying to do what is best to create a sense of worshiping God as you come here on Sunday. So we we listen and we respect. But the second thing that I think is important is this. When even they don't respond kindly, we are to meet the needs of those in need by doing whatever it takes. That's what Paul told Timothy to do with these widows. When they're in need, you meet that need. And I think if you want to be a part of a church family, when someone is in need, we need to go out of our way to meet the needs of those who are in need, to do whatever it takes, to do unto you as you would want, uh, to do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. How many of you here are needy today? And I don't mean needy in a bad way, but how many of you have needs? Okay, we all do. We all have needs, but some of us are hurting. Wouldn't you appreciate the fact that someone came alongside of you, they sat down next to you and said, brother, sister, I am here. I had a conversation this week, and somebody was saying, well, if you really knew who I was, you might not like me. And And it was cool, because I was doing this message and preparing that, and the thought is, no, we are family. We will stick together. I may not rejoice at what's going on in your life, especially if you're living in sin. I might not rejoice in that, but we will be with you. We are not going to abandon you. You know, the the, the parable of the lost sheep is, it's not that a sheep that was just kind of like distracted and wandering around and got lost. If you read Philip Keller's book on Psalm 23, you'll notice that some of these sheep willfully disobey the shepherd and go off. What does the shepherd do? He says, I told them so, and I hope they get bitten by a lion or a wolf to teach them a lesson. It'll be so neat when they have been maimed and paralyzed for life. Then they will go, now I will depend upon you. No, the good shepherd pursues even the wayward sheep. And so if we're to follow Jesus in the family of God and create a place that is family that people crave to be a part of rather than cringe at the thought of, what we do is we pursue even the most needy but yet annoying person In our lives because God has asked us to meet the needs of those who are in need. I cannot imagine what it would be like to lose my wife. I think it would be very hard. Well, I don't think it would be. It would be very hard. Why not just say it? It's going to be very hard. Difficult. That's need. I'm not going to rejoice over it. It's not going to be easy to live life and, and raising kids and all the things that go with it. There will probably be times when I will, I will be upset. I will be distraught. I will get angry with kids. I will get angry with people. There will be things that will be just wrong just because in the midst of that pain, how do you deal with that? If you're in that spot, would I say, whoa, man, I don't want to have any part of that. I know you're hurting, but man, until you get your act together, I can't walk with you. That is totally not. What Paul is saying it is totally not what scripture says it's to get with them to be with them and meet those needs that need to be met They are there and rather than just being the hands and feet of God, which is really cool We must also be the heart of God So in the midst of these needs these women who are alone and are seeking God Paul is saying, Timothy, meet their needs, financial needs in this instance, but there's got to be other needs. You as a church family must meet those needs because the reputation, in a sense, of God relies upon the fact that his church family actually comes together as a church family in the midst of trouble and difficulty and horrible circumstances and even says, even though your attitude stinks, brother and sister, I will not leave you. We will pursue you to see those needs met. Now, let me ask you a question in all seriousness. How many of you would like to be a part of a church like that? You don't have to raise your hands. But how many of you would like to be part of a church like that, that no matter what happens, you know that people have your back and they'll walk with you? Or would you prefer to be at a church where you can hide, nobody touches your life, and that one day when you get to the end of the the race of your life and you look back and you say, Wow, that was empty but I loved it. How many of you would like to be a church like that? None of us, right? So here's my encouragement. Paul is speaking to Timothy about a specific situation at the church at Ephesus in the midst of all those troubles. And he's saying there's contention. In the midst of that contention, treat these contentious people with respect. And you have another problem, this widow problem. It's not the widows who are the problem, but you guys just don't know how to care for them. But listen, they have needs. Meet those needs. Do whatever it takes. And here's my challenge. To you as a church family, and ultimately I would ask you to take home to your families, to your spouses, to your kids, and say to them, listen, I believe you matter. And I will listen. And I will respect. And I believe in the midst of your needs, your hurt, your pain, your struggle, I will be there with you no matter what, whatever it takes. I think it was at CG, and it might have been Shiji who was telling me the story. It could have been someone else. So if you did tell me this story, I apologize. But the person was sharing that there was once a guy who was at a church, deep fellowship, committed fellowship, and he decided you know, God was leading him to move on. And he moved on to another church, maybe for a year or two. And then he returned to the church that he left. And his words, and I'm paraphrasing, were like, I could not find the community at that church that I have at this church. And I'm back. And, and I think of people who have left our church. I really hope that happens. You know? I mean, because in some ways you go like, yeah, <laughs> Proved you right for leaving us. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding if you have and you're here. Um... Maybe I'm not, but anyway. But that's what I want this church to be known as. I want people to look at my church family called Harvest Community Church. And I want people to say, hey, I went to Harvest. Man, that place is family. I crave that. I want to go back to that. Even if they can't and they're doing something else. But I want people to just crave that or to say, you know what? I'm at another church. I'm in another part of the country. If I can't have harvest, then I'm going to bring harvest here. I'm going to be the kind of person that respects others. I'm going to be the kind of person that meets the needs of those who are hurting. And I'm going to... Be a part of family, and I'm going to pursue that, and I'm going to be a part of God's plan to stir that up so that people long for that, and they want it. And it gets to a place where if you don't have it, you're screaming and saying, hey, everybody, I don't have this, and I want it. Anyone else want it? I hear it, amen? Right? Isn't that what you want? Family? People that come alongside you no matter what? And you might say, listen, you don't know me. And you're probably right. But I know that God knows you. And he's brought you to this church family for a reason. And if he has a reason, then the only reason I can think of that I'm going to be a part of your family is because God wants us to. And I'm not going to do it just because it's a duty, because I want his heart. And I want his heart for that. And I want you to experience his heart in the midst of family so that in the end, it's not about Harvest Community Church. It's about people looking and saying, God is a good father, and when he brings people together in family, I long for it. I crave it, and I've got it here, and I'm not going anywhere else. Unless God leads you to do that somewhere else. Life on life is family together, treating each other with respect, and meeting those needs. That exists, doing whatever it takes to see those needs met. Let's pray. <clears throat> I'm just going to give you a few moments. And I'm just, Holy Spirit, stir within us a desire for family. So I'm going to ask, just take some time to just reflect. If you're in that spot right now and you cringed throughout the whole message, That's okay. But if you stay there, it's not just me who'll be sad. It's not just God, but I also think when we get to the end of the race and you miss out on what family is like, it's a loss. And I don't want us to lose that. I want us to gain it, to strive for it, to embrace it. To drown in family. So if you're cringing right now, I'm going to encourage you. Come alongside you. Exhort you. Younger or older. To just ask God. Make this place family. You You definitely can confess, God, I don't feel like it's family. Help me to find family. On the flip side, if you really just enjoy being a part of Harvest and you think this is your family, then I'm going to ask you to pray God, there are people who are hurting here. Open my eyes. Then I might be your hands and your feet. Then I might be your heart to go and be you in their lives. To sit down, to listen, to comfort to care they can be younger than you they can be older than you the cool thing is Paul talks about here 1st Timothy 5 is that there's a lot of mixing of the generations it's not just the youth group hanging with the youth group it's adults being with the youth it's the youth being with adults singles being with marrieds marrieds being with singles because that's what a family does when you have a family reunion you don't just segregate the people and say hey youth over here singles over here Grandma and grandpa over there and all you marrieds over here. No, they're together because they're family. Holy Spirit, come make this a family. Stir in our hearts a passionate love for you. Let that overflow in a passionate love for the brothers and sisters that you have given here people that we want to grow together with spiritually, grow deeper, wider, stronger, fuller, bring us into the community where Jesus is the center and the fullness of everything that we are and everything that we do.